lesson from the prophecy of Ezekiel, thus says the Lord God, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed, and keeps all my statute, and does what is just and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him, for the righteousness that he has done shall he live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, and does the same abomination that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered. For the treachery of which he is guilty, and the sin he has committed, for them he shall die. Yet you say, The way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed, and does what is right and just, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he had committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man there was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who, is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now this is where the reading for today ends, but I'm going to read a couple more verses because they are very important. Listen carefully. And this was why the Jews persecuted Jesus, because he did this on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working still, and I am working. This was why the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also called God his own father, making himself equal with God. The saving words of the Gospel. 
Oh, so many things to deal with today. How do we do this? We continue our spiritual journey um, through the stations of Rome. We gather at San Marco, right off the Piazza Venezia, and kind of in front of where the the, uh, the Campidoglio is and the Araceli. And uh, we gather there, and then we march over to Dodici Apostoli, the Basilica of the Twelve Apostles. And in the ancient times, this is where the scrutinies of the candidates for priesthood and diaconate would, would take place. And so we, and this is also where the, the tombs of the apostles uh, Philip and James are, and also the tomb of Pope Clement the Fourteenth, who, <coughs> of happy memory, who repressed the Jesuits. Now, what's going on in here? Let's just, I wasn't even going to, I wasn't, just for the sake of time, I wasn't going to read the prophecy from Ezekiel. But there's something important in here for our spiritual lives. It says um, in here, um, none of the transgressions that he shall do. Okay, if a person, if a person truly converts, and in, of course, the new uh, uh, covenant, uh, returns to the Lord through the, the way that he wants us to come to him. That is in the sacrament of penance. That's why he instituted it, so that we would use it. That's the way he wants us to return to him. None of the transgressions he committed shall be remembered against him. Remember, the blood of the Lamb washes us as clean as, 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 as white snow. Not covered over with snow, but as clean as the snow. Though our sins be red as scarlet, they shall become as white as snow. But it says on here, however, when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds will be remembered. We have to remember that if we're not in the state, of, if we're in the state of mortal sin and we do good things, there's no merit for us in those things, even though objectively they're good things to do. We have to be in the state of grace in order to merit, the, you know, have merit from, for the things that you do. So just keep that in mind if you're examining your conscience and it's time to go to confession. Now let's let's go on with this. A couple of things. Um, well, we we don't have time really to deal with the angel on the moving the waters, but it's a hint that yes, that you know, like Aquinas thought, there's an angel assigned to everything that moves. And this could be a, a demonstration of that. Um, the Shall we talk about Ambrose and what he thought about the, the scent of the Holy Spirit in the pond? Well, no, we really don't have time for that. Let's, let's do something else instead. What do we have in here? Now, I, had, I added a couple of verses in here to the end of the reading about why the Jews persecuted Jesus, because he did that on the Sabbath. And the Lord said, My Father is working still, and I am not working. Well, you remember that when the Sabbath would come, because it was the day of rest for the Creator after the six days of creation, therefore God later on said that the Sabbath was to be a day of rest, and that they were to be they were the people were to do no work on on that day. And they took that literally, meaning you couldn't even pick up, uh, you know, your bed and walk after you had been healed, after having been paralyzed for 38 years. And by the way, we are now, just today, we are 38 days out from Easter. 
one of the reasons I think why we have this reading today. Um, the, the Romans were, were clever in putting things together. So anyway, here's the man. He, according to the, what the Lord says, and he doesn't even know who this guy is who healed him, but he, he picks up his, his pallet and uh, he picks up a little cot that he had and he, and he walks and therefore he's breaking this, the Sabbath according to the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And they confront him. And they say, you know, why are you doing this? And he said, well, you know, he, the, the man who healed me said, do this, and, and so I'm doing it. And who is this man? Well, I don't know. So the Lord then finds him later in the temple. What is he says something kind of interesting to him. He says, and this is a connection with the issue of sin that we have. You know, I was going to talk about um, the fathers of the church, like Ambrose and so forth. Um, some some illnesses are connected to sin, and some are committed by God as tests. Well, today we have in this Ezekiel, you know, we have the we have the issue of the of the sin and the consequences for the wicked. But the Lord in here says to the man, "Look, you're well now. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you." Well, nothing worse. He was paralyzed for 38 years. What could be worse? Well, to lose your soul and to go to hell. That, that's worse. But see, you are well. Sin no more. So there is implicit in this a connection that he suffered all this time because he had sinned. And so that's another point for our, for our examination of conscience. Some sins are, some illnesses are a consequence of sin, and some are permitted by God as tests. And so we should really very carefully probe ourselves and find you know, what it is that's truly going on. Now back to this man, and carrying the pallet and breaking the Sabbath. The Lord says, okay, um, and now, now the man, after having met and met the Lord in the temple, now the man who was healed knows who, who it is. It was Jesus who healed him. And so he starts telling everybody it was Jesus that healed me. And so the scribes and the Pharisees get on the Lord's case. And they confronted him because he healed on the Sabbath. The Lord didn't carry the guy's bed for him, but he healed on the Sabbath. And apparently that's a work. That's doing work. And so they confronted him. And his reply is, my father is working still. And I am working and this infuriates him because number one he calls the God he calls the father his own father and he says that he is doing exactly what he is doing making himself effectively make, saying that he is God okay now if here from the questions if Christ worked on the Sabbath does that mean that Christ did not fulfill the Sabbath law? Did he violate the law? Because, you know, we know that the Lord always fulfilled the law. There are so many ways in which, for example, the Holy Family did X, Y, and Z in order to fulfill the law. Well, he's fulfilling the law here, too, but in a subtle way. God rested on the Sabbath after creation. However, God continues to work on the Sabbath in sustaining creation in existence. After creation, life goes on. 
things still happen. Uh, babies are being born, and people are people are living their lives, and creation goes. Flowers bloom, and the sun shines, and the rain falls on the on the wicked and the just alike. The Lord, the Father, Creator, continues to create, continues to sustain creation, and so. Christ, in healing the man on the Sabbath, is working by sustaining what creation does, and he does what the Father does. However, the Lord also wants to make sure that he gives a perfect example of how to fulfill the Sabbath. And how might he have done that? Well, Christ fulfilled the Sabbath perfectly in his passion and death. Now, how did he do that? When the Lord died on the cross, it was just before the Sabbath was to begin, remember? That's why they asked to have the legs of the thieves broken, so they would die quickly so they could get their bodies down off the crosses before the Sabbath began. And so they have they had to have time to get them off the crosses, and they had to have time to get the Lord into the tomb before the Sabbath would begin, because they would be violating the Sabbath by doing those works. So the Lord is in the tomb from the beginning of the Sabbath all the way through the entirety of the Sabbath day, Saturday, and then sometime after the Sabbath ends, at sunset, he rose. So he fulfilled the Sabbath perfectly while he was while his body was resting dead in the tomb. And so even in his death and his being in the tomb, the Lord fulfilled the law. So this is one of the things that we can tease out of this passage, but we have to take it a, a verse or two farther to see what it is that he responds to the the nomikoi, the uh, the lawyers and the wise guys, um, about working on the Sabbath. The Father is working and sustaining creation. That is what Christ Himself is doing, sustaining creation. And so He's not violating the Sabbath by working in the sense of resting from creation. And that gives us a little key into a locking how it is that the Lord isn't so obviously violating uh, the precept of the Sabbath. Dominus Obisco, Remus, Per 